Good morning, everyone. Our scripture reader, our scripture reading this morning will be taken from John 14, and I'll be reading from the NIV version, from chapter, from verse number 23 through 27. And it begins. Jesus replies, "Anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them." Anyone does not love me will not obey my teachings. These words you will hear not, are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I said to you. Peace I leave with you, and peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled, and do not be afraid. Aaron's words not God's word. As has been mentioned, we have been doing a series of lessons for this year on what we believe. And this month we're talking about God, the Godhead traditionally called the Trinity. Um, we've had lessons on the Father and the Son. And I get to do the, I think what may be the most challenging one, because it may be the one that we're least familiar with. I want to start um, by going to a story in John 3. Um, I really love, and Dinah always laughs when I say this, because you, just, you love everything in Scripture, but I, I really love the Gospel of John, because John, as an apostle, uh, was with Jesus at some of his most personal and most intimate moments. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. We have the woman at the well. We have the, uh, the story that we're going to talk about now. Uh, we have the last supper, you know, which the other Gospels do tell about us. But we have a visitor named Nicodemus, and Nicodemus is introduced to us as a Pharisee, uh, which means he's a Jewish religious leader, and so he's a member of the Council of the Sanhedrin, which were kind of uh, the ultimate Jewish authority, even though the Romans controlled uh, Palestine at the time. Uh, and Jesus acknowledges that he is a teacher of Israel, that he is, um, he, he's trained, he's educated, um, and should therefore be uh, respected. Um, and what's interesting about Nicodemus is that he comes to Jesus by night. Now, people just argue, discuss, debate, whatever you want to call it. Is his reason for coming privacy? He wants to talk with Jesus without all the distractions. Or is it secrecy? He doesn't want anybody else to know he's there. And maybe a little bit of both. Uh, because the Pharisees were uh, Jesus' chief opponents. And it would not be very popular for him to be seen talking with Jesus. But he comes to Jesus and, and acknowledges that Jesus is a teacher from God. Nobody can do the things that you are doing if God wasn't with you. Um, and I would just point out that as we go through 
uh, the story of Nicodemus, which we're not going to talk about, uh, we find that uh, he is uh, even referred to as a disciple. Uh, and he helps to bury Jesus uh, with Joseph. Uh, and so Jesus responds to him, you know, and I think it's a response to the statement that no one could do what you're doing without God being with him. And Jesus responds to him by saying, well, nobody can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, one of the things we do is we read the Bible backwards. What does that mean? It means we read it from our understanding. We read it, you know, the, the expression born again, we have heard thousands of times. It's not new. Try to understand this in Nicodemus's. He's never heard that expression before. And when Jesus says, you've got to be born again, he does exactly what you would expect. Huh? He's shocked. And he goes so far as to ask Jesus, you know, because this is such a ridiculous thing to him, is nobody can go back into his mother's womb and be born again. He thinks of it in a very literal way. And so Jesus, in the discussion that follows, talks about being born of water and spirit, of the difference being born of flesh and spirit. But what we don't understand when we read this is that as Nicodemus is asking this question, and Jesus is answering it, and starting to talk about spirit, that what's going on in Nicodemus's mind is he is asking, what is spirit? Well, how do we know that? Well, because we know what the Jews believed at the time. You know, one of the things I think is really interesting, you know, as they're talking about reading backwards, is that the concept of spirit we see in the Old Testament, we see many rabbits with the spirit of God moved across the face of the waters in, in the creation. But for the Jewish people, they only see that as the uh, divine force or supernatural effect of God. Uh, they don't understand and still don't understand the spirit is the way. Yet, when Jesus is baptized, the gospel writers tell us that the spirit descended on Jesus in the form of a dove, a physical manifestation of, of the supernatural. But to them, to the Jews, this was totally puzzling. So Jesus has a lot of explaining to do. So Jesus says, well, the spirit is like the wind. You know, and if you think about the wind, we cannot see the wind. You can see what the wind does. And so Jesus uses the idea. He says the wind blows where it wills. You know, and it's kind of interesting someday on a, on a breezy day, not a normal Manitoba windy day, although it will happen, but on a, on a, on a breezy day and to watch the wind and sometimes it changes direction and sometimes it swirls and it just seems to have a mind of its own. And that's kind of the picture that Jesus is painting of the spirit. And so we see the effects. We see the results of the wind. 
You know, you don't see the wind, but you see the leaves that it blows. You see the litter that it blows. You see the trees bending over, the branches falling down. But we don't actually see the wind as it moves. So the Holy Spirit, uh, the Greek word for spirit, and if you look at the article on the back page of the bullet, and I've done that with the last three lessons that I've preached, is kind of a little addition to the sermon. The Greek word for, for spirit is pneuma. And one of the things that I, I, I like to think about is that, and I used this in the article, is that when you go to the, the, the mechanic shop and you hear these big, powerful things that are, for example, taking the lug nuts off of a tire and these things, and they're really noisy, but they're using compressed air. And that's called pneumatic coming from this Greek word for wind or breath. And so this is identified in the New Testament as the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's, it's a very unique. And in fact, as we look in the New Testament and as we see back in the Old Testament as well, that the Holy Spirit has a distinct identity uh, that in fact, uh, he is part of the Godhead, the deity, uh, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus commanded his disciples to baptize people, what? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we find that he is personal. He is, uh, you know, he is a tribute person. You know, that one of the things that's interesting, and, uh, you know, Paul warns Christians not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, a, a force or a wind that's just, you know, uh, doesn't have emotion or feeling. Um, so that's why I'm, why I'm saying that he is given that understanding. It's, he's called the Holy Spirit. He's called he. Uh, so what we want to talk about this morning are seven things the Holy Spirit does for us. And you realize that I'm going to have to move here, and so we'll have to carry some discussion on uh, into the multipurpose room. But I want to approach this, and I want to think about the fact that, that it's because of the Holy Spirit that when we become Christians, we will never be the same. And I want us to really appreciate and understand that. So as we look at these seven things, we'll kind of throw that. So... What the Holy Spirit does for us. Okay, well, number one, we need to say, you know, in, in John, in that last section, the last three chapters after, after Jesus has instituted the Lord's Supper, uh, Jesus is preparing the disciples for his departure. And the reading that we had was, was part of that. Jesus talks about sending the Spirit and refers to him several times as the Spirit of Truth. Well, what does that mean? Okay, well, uh, shape different ways. So in John 16, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. All right, Jesus promising the apostles that there would be a guide. There would be a teacher uh, that would help them to know everything that they needed to know as the, the leaders of God's people. Um uh, New Testament attributes scripture, you know, what we call the Bible, the Old Testament, specifically that's what it was talking about, and the New Testament, that 
uh, the prophets, though humans, spoke from God and were carried along or inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, this, as well, the Holy Spirit confirmed the message. You know, when the apostles went out, one of the things that, that they got, Jesus gave to the apostles was the ability to do uh, miracles. The purpose of miracles were not just to show off, but they were to confirm. And this is what the writer of Hebrews is saying here, to confirm, to prove the message. And so he says that God testified to their message. Uh, by signs, wonders, and various miracles, by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. And so Peter could say, Second Peter 1, verse 3, uh, and this is the New International Version, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. I wanted to share with you the, you know, because all the readings are coming from the NIV, Except this one, as I was pointed out. Um, For his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. So Peter could say, actually late in his life, that everything that God promised, that Jesus promised, has been delivered to the apostles. They have everything that is needed for the church to teach and to continue on. It becomes an important part of the work of the church, of us, of how we teach, how we grow, how we learn. The promise of the apostles to reveal all truth has been fulfilled. We have that truth. I kind of wonder if we treat God's word with that respect, if we treat the Bible, if we spend time with the word, if we study the word, if we meditate the word, if we memorize the word, you know, because it is God's message to us. Okay, second. Jesus' discussion here with Nicodemus. The new birth, regeneration. So Jesus speaks as he's explaining about being born of water and spirit. There have been many attempts to deal with this and many explanations and mis-explanations and things adding to the confusion. There's, there's a one view that says, well, water is the being born physically and then spiritual birth. I have a problem with that in the sense that Jesus says if a man born of water and spirit, well, the fact that he's a man means he's already been born. So that doesn't make sense. A man being born and born and born of spirit. So the born of water and spirit have to go together. Well, how about we let Paul answer that when he says to Titus, when he talks about the washing of regeneration, which literally means the bath that gives life, and renewal by the Holy Spirit. When we became Christians, when we were baptized into Christ, our sins were washed away by the blood of Christ, 
And we were raised, Romans 6, Paul says, to walk in newness of life. We become new before God. Yeah, it's the same old physical body. But it's a whole new life in the presence of God. And so Paul writes to the Corinthians that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Isn't that beautiful? You know, I've had people say to me sometimes, you know, as after they've been Christians for a while, is that they wish there was a way they could just go back with their lives and start all over again. You know, you get that. I mean, you ever work on a project, maybe an, an arts and crafts thing, and you kind of halfway through it realize this is not coming out the way you want to, and you just want to throw it away and you want to start all over again. And, and people say, I would really like to do that with my life. I'd like to throw my life away and start all over again. Well, that's what happens when we become Christians. Everything before dies. And we are raised, one of the translations say for for Romans 6, to live a new life. That's fabulous. So, third... And what's interesting is different translations will use different words here. Uh, and so, comforter, advocate, companion, the, and you may have heard a sermon about this before. The Greek word here is parakaleo, which means literally one called beside. Para is beside, kaleo is called. Um, and so you think about it, you know, you get into a situation, uh, <laughs> One of, the, one of the things I've really come to appreciate with the different issues and problems that I've been having uh, physically, you know, including balance, is that I have a companion who is beside me much of the time, and, and it's my wife, and she is helping me to keep from falling on my face sometimes. But it's not just a companion like that that Jesus is talking about. Uh, He says in John 14, I will ask the Father, he will give you another advocate. Advocate! You know the other words for advocate is a word like lawyer. Uh, And we'll talk a little bit more about what what that could mean. Uh, But but it's someone to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. And there's that truth coming back again. The spirit of truth. That you are not alone. That he is going to be with you. He's going to help comfort you. Be with you. Peter, Pentecost, says, you know, to the Jews who are really stirred up and cut to the heart by what uh, has happened and what the message that Peter has preached has. says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And what? You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he's introducing here for us uh, a concept that goes beyond the, the presence of the God's Spirit beside us. It is God's Spirit in us. And the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead If the spirit of Jesus who raised him from the dead is living in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. 
Now, I want you to think about that. If you are a Christian, if you've been baptized into Christ, God has put his spirit in you. He's not over there. He's not in the church building. He's in you. He's present. You know, and sometimes we get struggling with the issues in our lives. And we feel alone and abandoned. And what the Bible is saying to us is, he is still here with you and in you. So beyond the comforter is an interesting concept, seal. Uh, When I was in school many years ago, (laughs) uh, elementary school, and we were doing a a story about uh, cowboys. And it was about how cowboys uh, would round up the cattle and would take the, the, the new calves and would brand them. And that, that thought still just kind of curdles my mind because, you know, it is all. Uh, they take a hot branding iron, you know, have it in the fire, get it red hot, and it would have some kind of a symbol or a mark on it. And they would stamp it on the back end, the hip, back hip of the calf. And it would permanently leave a mark of that, whatever that symbol was. And so our teacher said, okay, I want you to design a symbol of your own. And I want you to, and you know, she told us how to do it, make, carve it into, a, you know, cut a potato in half, carve it into the potato. And then we could take some uh, paint, dip it in the paint, and then we could use that to mark different things. Well, the symbol that I created for me was a very simple one. My first name's Wayne, so I took a W. And my last name is Turner, so I put a T over the W. And when you turned it sideways, the right way, it became a B, which was my middle initial. Cool. And you know, I used that for years. When I took tennis lessons, I had to mark my tennis balls. Guess what I put on my tennis balls? That symbol. And so what seal is, it's a mark of ownership. It says who this belongs to. And so part of what the role of the Spirit is, is to mark us as belonging to God. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. A down payment. Fifth, then the presence of the Spirit makes us holy, sanctifies us. That's what the word sanctify means. In other words, in the Old Testament, when David created the temple, or even before that with the tabernacle, God put his Spirit into the tabernacle or into the temple. And that's where people would come, actually where the priests would come, to meet God. 
Now think about the implications of that. You know that, that one of the things about that that place is that it was labeled as holy, as belonging, is set apart for God, belonging exclusively to Him and for His use. So what does Paul say to the Corinthians? Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Do you ever think about what you're doing to the temple of God that is your body? So you kind of think about how this develops with these different ideas. That we're born again, that we have this uh, indwelling and this seal of ownership because the indwelling means that we are temples of God, temples of the Holy Spirit. But then one of the most incredible ones, and I I like to use it in in counseling with people uh, because it is so important for us to understand that the Holy Spirit is there as an inter- we, we have and we understand that Jesus is our intercessor with the fire. He, Father, he is the high priest making intercession with us before God because of our sins. But we have another idea that goes along with that. And this passage from Romans In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray. Some of the translations will say, we do not know how we should pray. And I think what Paul is talking about here is that we have moments in our lives where we are speechless because of what's happened to us. You ever have one of those moments? Dealing with great tragedy and loss. Dealing with Confusion, bitterness, disappointment, frustration. You know, and sometimes we just kind of say, I don't, just don't know what to say. And we think about, how do I take this to God? And, you know, when I think about this idea, I think about when I was little, my mother used to play a game with me. I didn't think it was funny, but she did. Uh, and she, I would ask for something, and then she'd say, say please. I'd say please. Say please with the cherry on top. I'd say, please with the cherry on top. She'd say, say please with the cherry on top, cutest mother in the world. <laughs> and I'd say, please with the cherry on top, cutest mother in law. About that point, I'd be getting really frustrated. But kind of the game was that I had to put this just the right way to get what I was asking for. Can you imagine if God were that hard to deal with? That we got into a difficult situation where we did not know what to say. We did not know how to pray. In fact, we couldn't even put it into words. And how could we ever find any kind of help in prayer if God was that hard to deal with? But look what this is saying. We do not know what we ought to pray for or how to pray, the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans or with sighs to be deep for words, which some of the translations say. 
that God's Spirit intercedes for us by communicating what's in our hearts that our minds and our mouths cannot put out because we are just so grieved. We are in so much pain. And God's Spirit, who's indwelling us, is basically saying, don't worry about it. Your prayers, your hurts, your needs are all reaching the throne of God, regardless of how imperfect and weak we are. And so the Sabbath is transformer. No, not the toy. (laughs) And we could spend quite a while with this, but you think about it. Paul talks about Galatians 5.22, which Bill read for us. He didn't know I was going to do this, but the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The Spirit is working, if we allow him, to change us into something new. We have a new life. We develop a new character. A new person. Something that is beautiful and useful to God. Paul makes an interesting statement uh, writing to the Corinthians. He says, you were washed, you know, cleansed of your sins. You were justified or sanctified, made holy. You were justified, that is declared righteous or not guilty. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. He uses that as a motivation for God's people to understand what can happen and what God wants to do with us through his Spirit. So, what the Holy Spirit does for us, Spirit of truth, new birth, regeneration, comforter, seals, sanctify, intercessor, transformer, or to put these in a different way, he's revealed God's word for us. He has given us eternal life. He lives within us. He identifies us as God's children. He sets us apart for God and for his service. He helps us when we pray. And he changes us. I called this sermon, We Will Never Be the Same. And that's why. When God's spirit is in our lives... When we are allowing him, when we're following him, when we're listening to the word that he revealed, we're being conformed into the likeness of Christ and become effective servants and tools of his. We're going to sing a song as we close that, again, hopefully refocus us, us. And as we always do, we always want to think about the fact that there is a need. I mean, there are, there are always people here that need to respond to Christ. They need to be uh, to believe in him. They need to be baptized in him. They need to begin that life guided and directed by God's Spirit. And if we can help you with that, you can talk with me, with Chad, Jay, or any one of the elders. Let's stand as we sing.